Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and it is my monthly listener Q&A. So it's just me here with you answering some questions. And of course, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate, and write a little review on Apple Podcasts and keep sending me your questions and I look forward to hearing from you. So the first question is, when my child starts talking about politics, I get so frustrated with some of the misinformation that I'm hearing. How can I help my child be a critical thinker and form his own opinions without being judgmental? Okay. So if you have a little Alex P. Keaton and you are really bending more in the liberal side of politics or vice versa, Anytime kids are trying to sort through their opinion of what's going on in the world, it's a great opportunity to help them think through things, become critical thinkers, and learn how to stay open-minded. So they might have formulated an opinion, but we want to help guide them to continue to keep looking for new information and staying open to the possibility that they might be wrong. But if you just shove down their throat the right thing to think, it usually doesn't go over well. In fact, using open-ended questions will help expand your child's opinion. So after they say something, you might want to say, I wonder what other people think, or what do the majority of the kids in your class think, or ask about a specific person. You can also say something like, that's intense. So then what happens? Or Anything where there's like an extreme political view that you disagree with, you could walk them through the end of that story. You know, like they might think that the wonderful solution is X and you're saying, okay, that's pretty intense. What would happen next? And you can also say things like, how so? Or tell me more about how you came to think that way. These are all ways to have open-ended questions and it's our best bet in protecting our kids from overly negative influences that we're feeling like, where are they getting this from? From social media, from other peers, from parents who are talking about it at playdates. Like, what is this coming from? So our hardest challenge is staying calm and not just pointing fingers at our kids and telling them what to think. This is a long process of how to think. 
and helping guide kids in a way that will serve them, teaching them the questions to ask themselves and others is going to be much more beneficial than just telling them that they're wrong a ridiculous or anything that sounds like we're closing off conversation. Also really important when they make a good point, even if you disagree with it, to acknowledge, say, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. And think about it because most people, when they're making an argument, come up with some good points, find it, help them expand on it, and then you can turn it around and help them question. Finally, remember, we get too emotional when we talk to our kids in the heat of the moment about something that we feel passionate about. That's the nature of the beast. It's why it's hard to talk about politics or anything where we disagree with anybody and why the world is kind of in the state that it is. So try to find a time to take a deep breath, even table the conversation, say you want to think about it a little bit more and then readdress it when you're in a different headspace. Because the best thing we can do is help kids remain open-minded to learning. And we can't do that if we're closing off learning ourselves. Keep in mind, when a kid is telling you what they're thinking about a topic, it's probably not their forever way of thinking about it. This is just their process of learning and growing and getting strong opinions and passionate opinions about things is appropriate. And if you don't go to that worst case scenario of they're going to grow into this kind of person who thinks in ways that I totally disagree with, you will end up being a soapbox talker and it backfires. It just totally backfires. Here's a question about challenging situations. I try to handle challenging situations by giving choices to my child. When I give two choices, my mother-in-law says that I'm making it so that my child won't know how to do things that they just have to do. Okay. So offering young children some agency and autonomy in making choices is a great thing. It's not actually enabling kids to think that there's always a choice. Sometimes there isn't a choice, in which case you won't give those choices. But in situations where there are, you're meeting their developmental goals, which is to have some autonomy, a sense of control in the world, a sense of independence, and also meeting your goals of having them do one of the two choices that you've offered. So you've already offered acceptable choices. You're not just saying arbitrary choices. And so it's totally fine. Sometimes parents accidentally only offer one good choice and the other choice is not something that they're comfortable with. What you want to be careful of is when you really don't mean that there are choices and then the child picks the wrong choice, things escalate and it becomes a fight. So there are times when you need to stretch your child and say, this is a have to, not a want to. And you can empathize. I know you'd prefer to be playing with your blocks, but we have to do X, Y, or Z. And then sit in the discomfort of knowing that your child is kind of mad at you and it's totally fine. But again, the times that you can give a choice, go ahead and give two good choices. It's a way to help them feel the agency they need to feel so that in the times when you absolutely don't have choices to give them, it doesn't 
feel like a battle they have to fight to prove that they can get independence because they've had plenty of opportunities throughout the day. Okay. So I don't know if this has happened to you, but I'm pretty sure it's happened to a lot of us. You need a doctor, you search to find one that looks good, you wait, you book an appointment, you rearrange your schedule. And then when you finally go in, you find out the doctor doesn't even take your insurance, but there is a solution. You know how there are five-star driver ratings? So ratings matter a lot, right? You're more inclined to want to use that. Well, when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. ZocDoc is an app where you compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. And then you can book highly rated local doctors that actually take your insurance. And you can do it now, not in a few days, not in a few weeks, and definitely not in a few months. So if you need to see an MD ASAP, this is a solution. You download the free ZocDoc app. That's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. You can book a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermo, a psychiatrist, eye doctor, any specialist. ZocDoc has you covered. And if you go to ZocDoc.com slash humans and download the ZocDoc app, you can sign up for free. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash humans and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. That's zocdoccom slash humans. Are you feeling nauseous on your commute, on trains, subways, bumper-to-bumper traffic, getting carsick? You've got to check out Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to everyone. Relief band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach, telling you that you're sick. And relief band is the only over-the-countable wearable device that's been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. So if you get car sick or seasick like me, I had one experience on a boat where I just now could never go on one again without this. So as you're getting ready to take that road trip, get on that boat, drive through tons of traffic or on a windy road, or you're just feeling anxious about heading back to the office, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Raising Good Humans listeners. So you go to reliefband.com and use the promo code HUMANS to receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. Head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code HUMANS for 20% off plus free shipping. Artifact Uprising makes premium photo books, framed photos, and gifts to help you tell the stories that you care about most. And they just launched their new product, The Story of You early years book to help you document your child's moments from one to five. 
It contains unique interactive elements and guided prompts that make working on this book a fun activity that you and your child can do together. A high quality book that has thick writing friendly pages that's made from eco-conscious paper and a foil stamp linen cover that comes in seven colors and a little free set of photo prints for you to add to the book. The early years book makes a great gift for new moms as they experience their babies growing into little people with their own distinct personalities. Each chapter contains a set of prompts and exercises that you can fill out and add your favorite photos and artwork along with blank pages for you to customize as you like and as your child likes because as they get older, they're going to have so much fun filling it in. You can also just like trace your little one's hand and write a letter each year that is a special message your child can read later on. Interview questions you can ask your child. It's so much fun. The book has four themes to choose from. People, places, thankful, and custom, pairing each image with a word, name, or sentence. And inside the editor, you'll find three color palettes to choose from or create your own. Some of our favorite ways moms have used this book have been to remind little ones of loved ones who live far away, using it as a personalized ABCs book, or a book full of friends and memories if you've recently had a big move. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 15% off your Artifact Uprising order with the code RAISINGGOODHUMANS15. Go to artifactuprising.com slash RAISINGGOODHUMANS to purchase. Okay, here's a question about starting school. So my child has been in school for two and a half weeks and still saying he doesn't want to go. Okay, well, it's no wonder kids are anxious going back to school. Things are different. For some of them, they've never been in school. And for some of them, this is part of an uncomfortable experience because they either don't like mask wearing or there's too much social distancing, or they've just been away from other kids and having to accommodate rules that aren't just their household rules in a long time, or they just miss you. Either way, they do have to go to school. So there are some things that can help First, don't make it an option. Like there's no choice in school, even if some days you just don't feel like going. Because if you say, you know, this is something, if you don't like it later in the day, you don't have to stay or you can reach out to us, but we're going to give it a try. That gives too much power to the idea that they have an out. And what you want is for them to work within the framework of there's no out. So what can I do here? check in with them, certainly encourage them to notice their thoughts and feelings. So you can help them sort of pay attention to what's going on in their body, where they are feeling these different feelings throughout the day, and they can tell you later. Also, you want to make sure that the school has strategies for all of the situations that arise in this uncomfortable time period and find out what their plan is. If your child's getting uncomfortable, if they're feeling anxious, whatever it is, if they're worried about COVID, there could be so many different things. Make sure that the school and teachers have a plan. That way, when your child is talking about it with you, instead of deep diving into the cycle of how awful it's going to be, Keep reminding them of the plan and that their teachers, their grownups at school have got their backs. You also want to be prepared for the obstacles that are going to arise. 
by talking about ways that they can manage the situations that are stressing them out. So if they're worried that a friend isn't going to be there, maybe plan to think of what other friends could hang out with them that day so that they're not in a panic when they get to school and that one best friend has not shown up. Having a contingency plan for troubling situations just makes kids more confident and feel more in control. And ideally, you're not feeding them the solutions. You're asking them what their plan is. And then you can offer some ideas if they can't come up with any. Reminding them they can do hard things after they've expressed the disappointments and the discomfort and the fact that they don't want to go gives them confidence. It's not just brushing off their feelings. Of course, you are acknowledging that it's hard. And you're also acknowledging, I know you can do hard things. For kids who are not used to having to do certain things for themselves, because maybe you've been rushing or helping and you've been tying their shoes for them, or you've been packing their bag at the beginning of the morning or at night... Try to give them practice at doing those everyday skills like tying their shoes and zipping their zippers and wiping their tushies. Because when you let them practice at home, it doesn't feel as overwhelming at school. And finally, make sure to prioritize sleep because a kid who's gotten a good night's sleep is going to be able to enter an environment that is stressful with more tools. Once you've gotten rid of a good night's sleep, you just have no access to your toolkit. So that's a big priority, especially in high stress times. And it's unfortunate that when we're highly stressed, we tend to sleep less. So making sure that the night starts a little bit earlier than you anticipated, that screen time is over an hour and a half before bedtime, that there's ample opportunities to talk about worries but way before bedtime so that by bedtime you can say, you know what, we're going to talk about those worries again tomorrow. But right now, let's put them away in our worry box or wherever and we'll get back to them because they do need to learn that at some point we've got to shut those worries down and we can always return to them. It's not that you're denying them. It's just we've done enough today and we'll circle back tomorrow. Remember, being away from home is stressful new routines are stressful. The more that you can support your child while also letting them know that this is still happening, even if they're uncomfortable, the better they will get at building the muscles they need to stretch themselves to do uncomfortable things. Okay. So the last question is from a mom who has a two and a half year old. And she says that recently she's had a hard time in the mornings and been late for work He's very strong-willed and has been fighting to put his clothes and shoes on and wanted to know how to help make the morning routine better. Well, my first piece of advice, this is definitely not evidence-based in science, but just anecdotally, whatever you can do the night before, do the night before. Laying out clothes, anything, breakfast, you know, all the stuff that feels like it's only five minutes or three minutes of our time, those minutes add up a whole lot. Next is to make a very short list of what absolutely has to get done in the morning and what order. Put one in the bathroom, put one... And and for a two and a half year old, we're just talking about four things and, you know, pictures represent them because they obviously can't read, but you could do this with older kids 
for years and years and years. And the key is you're constantly looking at the same few things that need to get done in what order, and then you don't have to talk about it. And finally, ideally, and even though kids do wake up very hungry and we tend to want to give them breakfast and then get dressed, it really does speed things up quite a bit to when they get up, just get dressed right away from the bedroom because even if your clothes get messy on the way out the door because breakfast was messy, you're dressed and there isn't that fight about getting ready after you've sat down to breakfast. You can relax a little bit. Book bag is at the door or whatever. You probably don't have a book bag for a two and a half year old, but you never know. Um, I want this to be generalizable to everybody. And so then you have mealtime and there isn't anything left to do except putting shoes on. So just think about making the day easier by removing all of the obstacles you can think of and the arguments, setting them up the night before and on the list, and then just keep going back to that list. Once it all becomes a routine, then it's easier. And also, if kids don't feel like putting their shoes on, getting their coat on, any of those things, offer to have them carry it until they're ready to put it on. They usually, if you don't make a thing of it, they will be cold pretty quickly as the weather changes. And you will be happy to see that they are getting dressed and putting on their coat as they need it. And definitely don't say, ah, I told you you were going to get cold. Aren't you glad you have your sweater? Because then they're less likely to just do what they need to do for their you know, body to feel good because they're going to be busy proving you wrong. Thank you for listening. Please keep sending in your direct messages on my Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast so I can keep answering your questions. <laughs>